Hello and welcome to this edition of News Today with me, Bernice Abubedulan. In our headlines this hour, ECOWAS fights off criticism that it lacks the backing of the UN in its decision to deploy troops into Niger. We informed the African Union, we informed uh, the UN after the fact. We are live in Burma camp where a committee of defense chiefs from West Africa is meeting or are meeting to fashion out modalities for the deployment of forces to reinstate deposed President Mohamed Bazoum. Also, former Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources fights of claims that property found in her house and bank accounts are tainted. We have details from today's court proceedings. And minority raises fresh allegations about new Bank of Ghana head office as it cites over bloated contract procurement breaches and the use of an unregistered company. We have details from the latest investigation by NDC MP for North Tong Samuel Okujitu Ablakwa. And fines for road traffic offenses go digital as the Ghana police rolls out an automated system to ensure safety on our roads. Automated fines with a view to increasing deterrence and compliance within the road networks as a way of enforcement of our laws and regulations. We also have the latest in business news, sports, world news and showbiz, plus more in this package. Kindly stay with us. For your company once again, we are live on DSTV channel 421 around the world via myjoyonline.com and on your digital TV because we are digital and free to air. Now, let's start off from the courts where former Minister for Sanitation and Water Resources Cecilia Abnadapa is fighting off claims that property found in her house and bank accounts are tainted. She says the Office of the Special Prosecutor is in fragrant breach of its own enabling law and that the OSP is merely seeking to perpetrate an arbitrary exercise based on nothing more than suspicion fueled by misrepresentation and media frenzy. The OSP is in court seeking to confirm uh, the freeze of Madame Cecilia Dapper's accounts and also the seizure of properties found in her house, which the OSP suspects to be tainted. Richard Kujunyako of a legal desk is in court. He's been monitoring proceedings for us. Richard, uh, what exactly is the basis of Madame Cecilia Dapas' uh, argument? So, Bernice, uh, the court itself was a virtual one, and Madame Cecilia Dapas herself was not in court, but uh, her lawyer, Ms. Victoria Barr, opposed the application of the OSP seeking to freeze the bank account of the former minister and also confirm the seizure of the properties found in her house. She makes the argument that the OSP did not come within the mandate pre-seven-day period upon which they can trigger the process they are embarked on to confirm the seizure and freezing of the account. She says that if um, the court goes ahead to grant the application, an illegality will be occasioned. And she forcefully makes the argument that the, the mere fact that the sums of money found in the matrimonial home of the former minister is not enough ground to suspect or imply that those sums of money are tainted property 
and also there is no basis to suspect the money in her account at tainted property, especially when banks are routinely required on a daily basis to report suspicious transactions. So that she contends that the assertion that it by the OSP, uh, that the OSP needs to free the account to facilitate investigations is unjustified. And she ended by saying that the OSP is breaching its own law and is acting in an arbitrary manner, um, short by misrepresentation and media frenzy. And so that is what um, the, Madam Sitaradapa has been saying through her lawyer. And what, what has the OSP been saying in response? So the OSP says that Pelia Act with that, nothing illegal has been done, and they pray the court to confirm the seizure of the account and the freezing of the account as well. So the ASP indicated that the fact reveals that the ownership of the of those amounts found in uh, in her house are not in dispute, even though the money were found in her possession. They indicated that Madame Cecilia also owns several houses, and they mentioned some of the locations of the houses at Abilinpe, Tesano, and Kanto. So this is the argument made by the OS. Mm. And, and uh, we've cited the court processes filed by the OSP to have her accounts frozen. Uh, did the OSP give any further details relating to those specific accounts? So, Ben, the OSP just only disclosed the amount found in her house. They said that on the 24th of July, 2023, the Office of the Special prosecutor upon a search conducted at the residence of the respondent, that is Madame Sidiadapa, discovered huge sums of money stacked in the house consisting of an amount of $590,000 and $2.7 million Ghana cities. And so, but they did not mention the, the name of the banks that they, 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 they conducted their search on, and then they did not also disclose any amount that were standing to the credit of Madame Sisiladapa's uh, account. Mm, and uh, has there been a ruling yet, or when do we expect one on this uh, particular issue of the account? So seconds ago, uh, the judge um, said uh, or adjourned uh, proceedings to the 31st of August where the ruling would be done in court. Right, so that's Richard Kojonyaku who is in court for us. And yeah. if you just joined us this uh, afternoon, it is that Madame Cecilia Dapa has been refuting claims uh, by the special prosecutor that property found in her home and bank accounts are tainted. She's been saying the OSP is in flagrant breach of its own enabling law. Now, away from that, ECOWAS says it does not need the express permission of the UN in order to deploy troops into the Republic of Niger. Leaders from the sub-regional body, after a summit in Abuja last week, activated a standby force that will move into Niger to reinstate the deposed president, Bazoum. There are fears the situation may escalate into a full-blown war as Mali and Burkina Faso which are all under military rulers, have vowed to fight against any ECOWAS intervention. Speaking after a meeting of security chiefs underway uh, at Burma Camp, Commissioner for Political Affairs at ECOWAS, Ambassador Fatou Musa says the sub-regional body does not need the permission of the UN to go into Niger. You know, see, um, we are faced with the asymmetric conflict situation in West Africa, right? right. Terrorism. Uh, chapter 7 does not even allow for counter-terrorism. Absolutely. You know that. Okay, so this is the environment in which we are operating. Why are people talking about chapter 7 here, chapter 7 there? When Equas went to Liberia, Sierra Leone, we didn't ask for chapter 7. We informed the African Union, we informed 
uh, the UN after the fact. Often, let me tell you one thing, chapter 7, the request for chapter 7 is often done, you know, in order to secure resources, access contribution, you know, from the UN coffers, right? The heads of things are saying, you know, that we are going to Niger with our own resources. Anybody who wants to help us, fair enough. Well, the Peace and Security Council have actually disassociated itself from this action. Can you repeat that? The Peace and Security Council of the UN, they've disassociated, I mean, the African Union has disassociated themselves from this action. They have not. Who tells you that? You are reading uh, fake news. Okay, that's what, listen, there is, there is, some member states who are actually flouting and they are on suspension. Is this action by yeah. the uh, There is a time you have to draw the line in the sand. Okay, the fact that we had three successful coups and no muscular approach was uh, uh, applied there doesn't mean that we should allow the domino to continue. That is it. What, what would be, you talk of drawing the line, what would be the line between the FOAS and the UN at this point in time? No, what line are you talking? UN has condemned the coup. Of course, they have. They are supporting the actions of ECOWAS. The UN, the, the, the UN yes. Uh, don't forget, the UN, uh, right until about a few months ago, I was the director for West Africa at the UN. Okay? The UN has two main blocks. You have the Secretariat, you have the Security Council. So when the UN supports, it doesn't mean it is uh, like an approval by the Security Council. The, the UN Secretariat has supported us and, they are, and we are working constantly with the Special Representative of the Secretary General for West Africa, which also shows that support to what we are doing. You know, the thing is, why is it in Africa that people start asking, uh, why don't you go to the uh, Security Council? Did the, did the Russians go to Security Council before going to Ukraine? And those pumping weapons into Ukraine, are they asking for security sector? When uh, Libya was attacked, was it the security sector the argument is that the authorization? Member states of the yeah. No, so this is the question. I mean, that means that you will need the endorsement of, let's say, Gabon and Mozambique. One at a time. you have assembled at the moment, ready for that deployment as and when you. Operational secret. How many countries have. Meanwhile, Ghana's Defence Minister Dominic Nitoul is urging ECOWAS chiefs of defence to remain loyal to their president and the sub-regional body on the decision to deploy forces. Presidential guards in Guinea and Niger, I will use the word take hostage their president. Nobody, and let me repeat, nobody in West Africa is safe. That is why I urge you to continue to be loyal to your heads of states. I urge you to continue to be loyal to ECOWAS directives and to give effect that the days that could detest enjoy the support of our people are over. Yes, in democracy, people will agree to disagree. But the vast majority of our people, you, 
the vast majority of our people in West Africa do not want to be under the difficulties that we are facing today. You have the right, as men in uniform, to ask your governments for what you will need to be able to defend your nations. You have the right to ask your governments to give you the tools to defend the territorial integrities of your nations to ensure that your nations remain peaceful. You have the right to ensure that your people choose your leaders in a free and fair manner. But the world will disagree. ECOWAS will disagree. The people of ECOWAS will disagree when you choose or people under you choose to take hostage the people that your constitution give power to. Let me now take you to Burma Camp, where that meeting of uh, chiefs of defense in ECOWAS countries is happening. Our man, Blessed Suga, is stationed for us. Hello, Blessed. Has that meeting ended, and what are we learning from it, if it has? Uh, phase of the engagement uh, have, have actually uh, wrapped up here uh, at Burma Camp and uh, we know that of course the essence of the meeting today is to have all of the military chiefs, all of the chiefs of defense from West African countries uh, converge here to d discuss the decision uh, which is borders on the deployment of a military uh, troop into the Republic of Niger. The, the whole idea is to ensure that there is the reinstatement of President Mohamed Basum and also constitutional order is restored um, to the Republic of Niger. And the background to it is that uh, the Republic of Niger experienced a coup d'etat at the end, just at the tail end of last month, uh, a reason for which uh, we have uh, all of these meetings happening. Now, the last meeting or summit of the ECOWAS leaders uh, actually happened in Abuja. Now, after that meeting, the heads of states actually decided uh, to operationalize, or if, if we could use that word, activate an ECOWAS standby force. That, that was the basic decision of the leaders of the West Africa sub-region. Subsequent to that, uh, we know that ECOWAS formed a committee of chiefs of defense staff who will now look at the operational methods that will be used by the sub-regional body in terms of the deployment methods, what should be done, and how that can be approached from a technical point of view. It's the reason for which we are at Burma Camp today. Uh, you, we saw the likes of the Defense Minister, Dominic Nitiu. Uh, we had uh, the Chief of Defense Staff for the Committee of West African States, uh, the uh, Chief of Defense Staff for the Republic of Nigeria, joining uh, the meeting which, which, which is underway here at uh, Burma Camp. Very shortly, we'll be speaking to Ambassador uh, Abdel uh, Fatal, uh, who is the Commissioner for Political Affairs for the uh, sub-regional body, ECOWAS. Uh, he has been in this meeting indicating his position on the matter and what's the position of the sub-regional body the position is simple that 
ECOWAS stands ready to deploy once the green light is given. The green light hasn't been given yet except to say that the operational arrangements are being done and that uh, the headquarters is also readying itself, including countries such as Ghana, uh, readying to contribute troops once the order is given. And we know also that there are concerns about funding capacity of the sub-regional body ECOWAS and whether or not we have the funding to go into the Republic of Niger. All of that is being addressed today, knowing uh, that uh, these are questions that all of these gen army generals would have to answer to their respective countries. We had Ambassador uh, Abdel Fatal uh, Musa, who pointed out to uh, the journalists who are reporting here that the funding and everything that will be done will be done solely by the sub-regional body ECOWAS. There's also the bigger question about the UN Security Council decision as to whether or not the sub-region has any form of backing from, from the UN um, Security Council. That question came up, and the simple response from the sub-regional body ECOWAS is that, look, we don't need the uh, you know, decision or tax aid approval or express permission from the United Nations Security Council. All we need is to ensure, first of all, uh, that we deploy, and I'm speaking from the position of the Economic Community of West African States, when the deployment is done, whatever briefing that needs to be given to the UN about the situation and why the West African leaders are going in will be furnished to the United Nations. However, being a group of sovereign countries, there's absolutely no need for any form of deployment. So we'll be getting to Ambassador Fatel shortly just to get some um, briefing on what the next steps are, what the way is, and how we can actually deal uh, with the situation now and what the meeting entails for today because that's crucial after today we know that the uh, chiefs of defense staff will round off their meeting tomorrow and will communicate to the world what the next line of action will be there's a question about the republic of ghana as well and what the republic of ghana will do in terms of our position are we committing our troops are we contributing troops are we going to deploy uh, our forces to be part of this uh, sub-regional body, knowing that countries such as Cape Verde, Cape Verde, for instance, opted out and did not attend the meeting for today. So is the reason for which uh, all of these discussions are going right here, going on right here at the uh, Burma Hall, uh, at the military headquarters, where, of course, we're, we're coming to you live from. Uh, let's uh, try and engage Ambassador um, Musa Fatal. Uh, we'll be engaging him shortly. He'll just uh, walk into the shots, obviously, because of uh, the situation we have uh, in, in the day, we know uh, that obviously there's a need for us to get a, a brief word from him. So Ambassador uh, Musa will, will join us shortly uh, for us to get a, a brief word from him. Uh, Ambassador, thank you for joining us on the Journey Channel. You could just uh, come closer so yeah. we, we have a word. We know that uh, the security chiefs, you're having your meeting today. Yeah. Uh, first of all, your impression about the engagements that, that, that have transpired in the first hour of the meeting? Oh, the, 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 this meeting. Yes. I mean, you could see determination. You could see unity of purpose among our uh, military chiefs, yeah, the chiefs of defense staff, all very determined, you know, and they are just putting the final touches to their operational plans and then get our troops ready. This is more or less a bit like a, a pledging, uh, what is a meeting, because the concept of operation is already ready, it's ready. Uh, all the factors have been taken into account what are the potential obstacles how to overcome them all these were taken into account in the planning session right so this meeting is just to you know refine 
what we have while preparing for possible intervention. And uh, my interaction with the chiefs of defense staff, of course, of all the member states that are here, you know, well, that they are all determined. You know, determined to go, determined and the question is when? The, no, when I'm not going to tell you because that's a that's no I'm not because that's an operational secret. When you tell them we are going to start marching tomorrow, then you give them uh, advance notice, you know, to defend. You know, so we know when the military could go in, uh -huh. and up till now, there are diplomatic overtures from ECOWAS, from other uh, what is it? Um, uh, willing partners and others. We are giving diplomacy maximum opportunity, you know, to succeed. What we are saying is that if that fails, there is this other option. You know, and this is what we are doing, and we are not letting off, uh, despite the fake news and then the misinformation. We'll bring you more on that in subsequent bulletins as Blessed Suga continues his monitoring of that very important and crucial meeting of uh, chiefs of defense in ECOWAS. Now, away from that, the minority in parliament is making fresh allegations about the construction of a new Bank of Ghana head office valued at 250 million US dollars. The construction has become a focal point of the minority's fight against the central bank governor and his deputies, who they've demanded must resign. In a lengthy Facebook post this morning, NDC MP for North Tung, Samuel Okujeto Ablakwa, alleged uh, the numerous procurement breaches in the awarding of the contract and overbloating. Here is parliamentary correspondent Kukwa Sante giving us details of the so-called restricted tendering used by the central bank to select the contractor. According to Samuel Okujeto Ablakwa, in fact, make his own judgment and says that the Bank of Ghana engaged in what he calls unacceptable use of restricted tendering method, which he says amounts to a blatant violation of the Public Procurement Act. He alleges that five companies were handpicked by the Bank of Ghana to engage the services of constructing this new Bank of Ghana head office. He talked about the Messrs. WBHO Ghana Limited, Messrs. Man Enterprise, Messrs. Simon Limited, Messrs. Renaissance Holdings, and Messrs. Goalkeep Properties. He says it is not clear what the criteria was in handpicking these companies to be the ones doing that. He goes on to contend that if this was open to the public and all companies were engaged in bidding for this process, then some amount of money would have been saved to the state. And so he is taking the Bank of Ghana on together with the Public Procurement Authority for allowing what he calls a blatant violation of Ghana's public procurement laws. Mm. So he starts off by saying that the project which we now know will cost the state about $250 million, started at $81.8 million. He says it rose to $121 million. And then between, um, uh, between January and now, there have been some price fluctuations as well. He, he estimates that about $40 million have already increased between January and September of 2020 when mm. the project was earmarked. And in fact, if you look at the period now, the conversation is now that the Bank of Ghana new head office could cost the state up to $250 million. He's wondering how a project which started at $81 million is ending up at the cost of $250 million. He's likening it to the construction of the National Cathedral, where he says the project started at a cost of $100 million, is ending at $400 million. It's alleging that there may be some persons in the Bank of Ghana which have been giving out sweetheart deals. Those are his words. 
And so mm. he believes that not only have there been public procurement breaches, he believes there's a, a, a price gorging in terms of someone being at the central bank and hacking the rates and probably benefiting from Here from MP for North Tongue, Samuel Okutatablakwa, who's been raising red flags uh, about this project. Unimpeachable, incontrovertible, undeniable documents. Uh, these are documents that I have intercepted from the Bank of Ghana and other sources. And no one can question the veracity or the authenticity of these documents. I have the PPA approvals, I have board minutes, I have uh, the letters that the uh, Bank of Ghana wrote. And you see, it is shocking that during COVID, at the peak of COVID, when we were given the impression that all what our leaders were focused on was saving lives, every other thing was on hold, it turns out that they were deceiving us. And this particular management of the Bank of Ghana, which has run the Bank of Ghana aground, accumulating the biggest loss in our history, over 60.8 billion Ghana cities, decided that of all things they would do during this period of bankruptcy, they will build an ultra-modern head office. Fine. <laughs> if they think that's a priority. But how on earth does a project which was budgeted in terms of its scope, its design, and all of that at $81.8 million just within eight months? That's Samuel Okujito Ablakwa, MP for North Tong. This is John News today with me, Bernice Abubedu Lansa. Let's do some other stories now. And state prosecutors handling the trial of 35-year-old alleged pedophile Rashid Ahmed Anata in the Wa municipality of the Upper West Region have disclosed that by NEH they will wrap up on all dockets and uh, all 18 counts of sexual assault against him uh, by next week Wednesday. Now, uh, the principal state attorney lawyer Sayyid Shakar revealed that they have eight of the victims who've testified in camera uh, against the accused and uh, the the others will also be having the opportunity uh, to do so while they cross-examine him. Anata is accused of defiling 12 minors in the Wa municipality uh, over the last two years. Joining us Upper West correspondent Rafiq Salam has more. For the second time, the alleged sexual predator Rashid Ahmed Anata met four of his victims in camera in court. Unlike the previous days, where the court was besieged by millions of interested parties, very few people were around, hence little activity at both sides of the forecourt. Three of the victims, according to Principal State Attorney, Lawyer Sayyid Abdul Shakur, testified their evidence against the accused and the letter also had opportunity of cross-examining them. Today we brought in two more dockets comprising of four victims, two, three in one docket and one in one docket. The three girls testified and all of them were cross-examined by the accused person. Remember, the accused person is unrepresented at the moment. They were cross-examined. They testified to the fact they 
told the court what they accused it to them, how he did it to them, the modus operandi he deployed in getting them, but underpinning all that was that the accused had enough food to give them, so most of them went for food. Others said that he promised them that he was going to take them to school and ensure that they go through school successfully. There was one particular case that was striking. A lady who is a twin, and the twin sister had cerebral palsy, and therefore bedridden at home. He promised that lady that that girl that he was going to take care of that bedridden sister and herself through school. So they get girl or blood. And oftentimes, according to a girl, he called the girl through the mother's phone, and the mother, who is a sister to the accused person, will unsuspectingly hand over the phone to the kid and the kid will receive call, pick another girl and they go to his house and then he will have sex with them in turns. That is what came out in court today. He cross-examined them and denied everything. Lawyer said eight of the victims have so far tendered their evidence except two. One has been prevented from testifying by her mother and the other is deceased. Now, in a determined move to enhance safety and enforce adherence to road traffic regulations, the Ghana Police Service is deploying an automated system on our roads known as Traffitech GH. It uses cameras and sensors to capture images and videos of vehicles that disregard road traffic laws. This initiative was uh, revealed at a high-profile stakeholder engagement focused on road safety in Ghana. Samuel Mbura of our Road Safety Desk is Part of that engagement, he joins us via phone with details. And Samuel, first tell us how exactly the system works. As a driver, uh, if you're on the road and you jump traffic or you oversee this traffic GH um, technology that is being deployed by the Ghana Police Service will capture pictures and videos, records of it and the offense, and it will be automatically transmitted to a back office for validation and issuance of a notification by SMS to a vehicle owner for payment. The Ghana Police Service is doing this in collaboration with DVLA. DVLA has your documentation to your vehicle, so your number, everything is captured there. So once the offense is captured by the Ghana Police Service system, um, the message is sent to that line. Uh, many would argue that, okay, so if the car I'm driving is not for me or there is no transfer of ownership, the Ghana Police is saying that it is mandated that you do it. If not, they would um, track you and then punish you accordingly. So this notification will indicate the location, date and time of the traffic offense, as well as the vehicle registration number, offense description, uh, payment amount, and then the deadline. So if you are caught by the system, you have like 14 days, 14 days, uh, 14 days allowable payment period. After that, um, if you default, you have a 1% penalty on the original traffic tech due is fine. And I mean... If you also have the opportunity to go to court to uh, challenge the, the offense, um, and then the police would now be obliged to present the video or the uh, picture details before um, the court so that uh, further processes uh, can continue. Mm. Uh, and so just, just tell us more about what the Ghana Police Service seeks to achieve. We, we know that there has been a great move to go digital with all the installation of cameras, on major roads across the country. Uh, but tell us what the big dream of the Ghana Police Service is. So, Benny, we know there have been reported instances of um, extortion 
of drivers on our highways, on mm. our roads, and all that. So the Ghana Police Service wants to build that trust between the uh, public and then the service. So there will not be any human contact when it comes to fine. Since drivers will not be stopped on the road by the police, but the system will take over. Two, it is ensure that, uh, to ensure that there is uh, discipline and that it will serve as deterrent to others. And also imprint in the minds of people that whether the police are on the road or not, they are still watching you. And this uh, particular initiative is under the police invisible eyes are watching you. That is how they have um, uh, Christianity. Police invisible eyes are watching you. So they are trying to make it a signpost in the driver of every, I mean, on the, on the road to act according to their own conscience and then um, go by the uh, traffic regulations on our road. Right. Uh, the NTTD boss has been speaking, right? Exactly. So COP, Mr. Francis E. Duku, is the Director General of MTTD, and he hopes that this initiative will go a long way to shift uh, the mindset of drivers and ensure safety on our roads. Appropriate automated fines with a view to increasing deterrence and compliance within the road networks as a way of enforcement of our laws and regulations. Traffic Ghana, it's important to maintain social order within the communities with a view to one, protecting high sense of public trust in the police, facilitating law-abiding behaviors, three, fostering compliance and cooperation at the same time, and five, increasing the rate of detecting road traffic offenses. We'll take a quick breather here on News Today. When we come back, uh, my colleague Zhao Pao of our business desk will be bringing you the very latest from the world of business. Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still need chop better with Ecobank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store All the apps store and discover the smart way to bank. EcoBank, the Pan-African bank. Yay! Mom, so kitty rice contains 12 vitamins? Yes, 12 essential vitamins that growing bodies need. So grow healthy and strong. And smart. Absolutely.
Kittyvite Multivitamin Tonic contains all the essential vitamins and nutrients needed for the healthy development of children from age 1 to 12 years. Also available, Kittyvite Multivitamin Drops for babies under 12 months. Grow strong, grow healthy with Kittyvite. Distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Everybody came out, everybody's looking good, displaying their art, beautiful art everywhere. Um, this is my fifth year coming in a row. So I'm here every August for the festival. It's been amazing being with my black people all day, every day. It's been great. It's so fun here. There are a lot of art things to do. So I personally love it. And I love the artworks. I love Chalorote 2022. It's fantastic. This year's experience is, uh, is marvelous. It's amazing. It's Charlotte Festival, y'all. You ought to be here. The paintings, the people. The Ghanaians were awesome. Everyone, when you're in Ghana, around the same time, make sure you check it out. It's really happening. Welcome to business. My name is Daryl Kwao. Think Tank Cast International is calling on all relevant stakeholders to break trade barriers to make the harmonization of protocols of the African continental free trade area successful. According to retired Justice of the Supreme Court and Board Chairman of Cast International Ghana, Jones Doche, forging strong trade agreements will provide equal opportunities for all parties to take advantage of common markets. International, in partnership with GIZ, organized a public-private dialogue on building momentum towards after implementation. Speaking at the event, retired Justice of the Supreme Court and Board Chairman of CATS International Ghana, Jones Duchi said, Building momentum towards after is important to overcoming challenges like trade barriers. We need to be sensitized on what after is all about, what protocols are to be implemented, and how the challenges are to be handled successfully. I believe the media and all civil society organizations have to be able to help cast play a lead role in this regard. Most of you who have traveled in Europe, for example, will know that the trade barriers that exist in Africa do not exist over there. And we need to break down those barriers to make the harmonization of these protocols of ACTA very successful. The world is moving towards common markets and free trade agreements. It is through these trade agreements that we can increase consumer and producer surpluses. National coordinator at the AFTA Coordination Office for Ghana, Dr. Farid Arthur, 
advised that small steps are taken towards after implementation. He believes the area will fully be realized through a gradual process. We all need to work as one. We need to push government. We need to push for policy changes. We need to push for uh, the right environment in terms of financials and other things in order to be able to open up the border. And so I hope that this dialogue series will help us throw some light onto it. And I would wish that we don't go for everything at once. If we can make small steps, if as a result of this dialogue series, we even identify just one thing that we can do to move trade forward, we would have succeeded. The public-private dialogue on building momentum towards after-implementation was also an event to mark CART International's 40th anniversary and the Ghana's division's 10th anniversary. Country coordinator and West Africa Regional Director of CART International, Apia Kusi Adomako, highlights some achievements so far. We've been working in the area of consumer protection. We've also been advocating for a functional competition policy and competition policy and law, and we can say that now we have uh, the draft consumer, the draft competition policy, as well as the draft bill, uh, which is still at the Ministry of Trade, and I'm told that it will get to Parliament before the end of the year. We've also become, we've also uh, provided input into government economic policy statement, especially when it comes to fiscal policies. So I think that so far so good. And when it comes to road safety sector too, we are also we are also doing well, making sure that through the usage of evidence-based and best practice. Now, the chartered management, a chartered management accountant, Albert Ni Aitego, is urging entrepreneurs and uh, business owners to uh, do all they can uh, to carve their business plans in ways that would make an impact in the society in order to qualify for grants provided by some financiers. According to him, it is necessary for business owners to develop plans on execution and management of the grants to demonstrate their commitment towards achieving the intended aim of grants. He spoke on the Masterclass on Joy FM. Demonstrate that you actually are complying. You have registered with the Registrar General's Department, properly registered business. You also have the registration certificates to support, and then you have the operating permits. All the compliance things that are actually required by law, just comply with them, and that sets you on the right footing. And it's not even just for grant financing, right. but for raising funds from anywhere, because yes. the investors want to see this. Mm. Very important. Very, very important. And that even sets you on the precedent. And one thing I want to add is that when it comes to grant financing, what we have to learn is that there are two approaches. It's either you are reacting to uh, to get the grant financing or you are being proactive. Mm -hmm. So when you are reacting, usually then you would see that one of the... So you can get grant financing from international and local organizations, okay? And then if you see an advert pop up and say, we want to support grants, we want to support your business by providing you with grants in a certain area, then when you apply, then that becomes like a, re a reaction. You are reacting to the advert that has come. Usually, we have um, like the USAIDs and other international organizations that would send like a, a, an annual program statement that you would have to respond to. But there are also the process where you would have to now carve your business in areas that are making impact. Then you okay. will look for those financiers who are providing the grants that are actually 
supporting areas of impact that you are making. Like climate change. Like climate change. <laughs> and that is even bringing me to other industries. If you are thinking about doing your business, look at areas, and there are, that's a very good one in climate change, research and development areas. Do businesses around these areas. Clean energy and sanitation. These are areas that are attracting serious ground. Healthcare, education. And ask yourself, why is this the case? Because you are making an impact. All right, and that's it for this segment. More on the marketplace next is for staging. Let's do sports now on a journey today with me, Muftar Nabila Abdullah. On Saturday, the World Athletics Championship will be starting. And newly elected president of Ghana Athletics, Bar Fuseni, says one of the major challenges that athletics in Ghana is facing is funding. According to him, with the right financial support for athletes, the athletes have got what it takes to make a podium in this competition. My vision for Ghana Athletics is is huge. My first and foremost target is to win an Olympic medal in the next two Olympic Games. Not this, not this uh, Paris, Los Angeles. My vision is Ghana to win to win a medal at that. At, at that. And it's but we don't have the infrastructure. How how do you get that done? Now we, we can we can get it done. Thankfully, they are doing Legon, and I know UCC also doing they will do the tracks. Winneba just spoke to me yesterday that they also want to do the trust. So before Paris 2024, we will have a couple of infrastructure ready in Ghana here. And the bottom one is also coming up. We have for them. The issue is not only the infrastructure. The issue is funding. And we are going to work with the state to get the funding sorted. We have the athletes. We have the coaches. All what we are needing or what we needed now to get the Olympic medal is just the funding. I said it earlier in a year that if you get between $500,000 in a year for the next 60 years, we are going to bring a medal. Our athletes have just, are just there. What they need is financial support. Will you, could you imagine Dazi go to America within, uh, within one season? He did 19.7. 7, 7, 9. 7, 9, yeah. In 200 meters. 200 meters. If he had run that thing at Eugene, that, that crowd and him. And that, yeah, that, oh, that, was, that was a podium. Yeah, that was a podium performance. Yeah, that was a podium run. Yes. So if we support him, at least if the state can give, give you $20,000 a year to prepare himself for the next four years, this guy can win. This guy can make an Olympic medal. Azamati, Joe Paul, Samini, Dazi, uh, uh, Rose. There are a lot of them. Yeah, what, 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 what we just need is financial support of this athlete. But, Baba, as CEO, if you are not able to help your president to raise this kind of money, what should you as president you can raise the money? No, no, no. As CEO, you don't call the shots. You're only waiting for somebody to give instruction to operate. If you're going to jump that, so 
he did that thing with that. But you can advise. No, you, you can advise. That it's, it's an advice. The advice, either they take it or he take it or he leave it. But as a president, you have the obligation to fund the money. You have the obligation to, uh, to make your, 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 your executive to believe in your vision. That's what we call effective leadership. You need to make your executive to believe in what you are telling them, to believe in what you are saying, to believe in the policy that you are implementing. So if there are edges, if there are rough edges, they will support you to, uh, to smoothen that edges up. Then you proceed. And I can tell you, we will get the money. We will get the medal in the Los Angeles Olympic Games. How? Hmm. First three things that we want to do as president, and what would you want to be known for as president of Ghana Athletics after your tenure? My, I want to be known as the first president of Ghana Athletics to win an Olympic gold medal. And we will work towards it. It is, it is, it is, it is a huge but, challenge. But they, they, they say the politicians speak big. You are speaking big. No, 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 no. Big I'm, talk. <laughs> I'm not speaking big. I'm not speaking big at all. Bafuseni, General Secretary, who has been elevated to the role of President of Ghana Athletics after winning the GA elections uh, last week. This is our wrap-up sports here on Join News Today with me, Muftao Nabila Abla. We appreciate your time. That's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow. It has a working surface on it. Mm-hmm. That's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-S syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Hey! Syntex <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. Syntex gives you the biggest warranty seven years. No matter your water needs, Syntex is the answer. Syntex tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? We've had news file over the weekend and uh, an interesting part of the conversation. Oh no, we are out of range. Oh, don't worry, Daddy. I have Alexa in my bag. Alex what? Alexa. Open Multimedia Ghana and play Joy FM. Super Hits Radio. Radio. Joy 99.7. Listen to Joy FM. Hits FM. Love FM. Live on your Amazon Echo. Listen to your favorite multimedia radio stations live on your Amazon Echo device by saying, Alexa, open Multimedia Ghana, play Joy FM or Hits FM or Love FM or catch up on your favorite podcast by saying, Alexa, play 
and then the name of your favorite podcast for Multimedia Ghana. For a list of all podcasts available, say Alexa. Ask Multimedia Ghana to browse programs. And we are back like we never lost signal. Alexa, welcome to Multimedia. Good afternoon. Welcome to Showbiz here on Journey today. Now, Ghanaian rapper O.J. Black has passed off. Reports say he died in the early hours of Thursday, August 17, 2023. And in Akrashi rose to fame with the release of his debut album titled The Black Mixtape in 2006. His musical career continued to flourish, marked by multiple projects and simple singles, including the popular track Charlie Wate. 40-year-old has been open about his battle with kidney disease, a condition he fought against with dialysis treatment, among others. In 2022, he opened up on lifestyle changes he has had to endure in order to live a healthy life. After his stint with kidney issues, O.J. Black switched to gospel, explaining that it was not a smooth transition. His distinct uh, rapping style and his incorporation of social commentary within his music set him apart. I'm the godson, principalities in the over. The figures say they feel some way to destroy me, me a love from. He's so rest in perfect peace. Now, host of the popular television show, Greetings from Abroad, Nanahima Adrawindo, has detailed how her daughter lost out on a huge project due to false speculation. According to her, some of these speculations, which the artist has denied on public platforms, uh, have cost her a lot in her career. She spoke on Prime Morning. And I think that I've said it severally in different platforms that it's very good to, to be cautious of whatever we do because now we live in a global village. Yeah. You think you're doing a business tilt, something that to favor you in terms of the, uh, in the, the environment you are in. And then at the end of the day, you just spoil a whole deal because, you know, of your selfishness. So we have to be careful. How you have reacted, how you have taken stories, you know, recently she had an issue with Black Rasta, Black Rasta called her names, <laughs> said she was on drugs, some story portals have reported that she's on drugs. How do you take it all in? Well, I know my daughter, and so I just tell her not to follow it. Just take it in. Let's pray about it. It will die off. Does it break her? Oh, well, it would, because these are instances where you are working on something, because some of the times we're working on something that should push her somewhere, and then these things come up. That's why I was saying earlier on that we have to be careful the way we do things and say things, because you never know the effect. Because one of the instances we were working on a project, a huge project, and this broke it. You know, so as a mother, of course, I'll feel bad about it, 
But I think that God has a better place for her. That'll be all for showbiz here on Joy News. There's more uh, in our subsequent bulletins. The news continues.